Greetings and welcome to In Tune with VHBC, a podcast about music and worship at Vestavia Hills Baptist Church. I'm Marty Watts, Minister of Music at VHBC. Today's episode includes a conversation with Nicole Hutchison and an exploration of the hymn, O God Beyond All Praising. If you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss any future episodes. Now let's get in tune. We explore today another hymn with a tune based on an orchestral work, O God Beyond All Praising. The tune was written by Gustav Holst, a composer and teacher in the early 20th century in the United Kingdom. Gustav Holst was friends with Rafe von Williams, who we talked about in a previous episode of the podcast. They both shared an interest in folk music. This tune comes from the Jupiter movement of a suite of Gustav Holst's called The Planets. The tune is named Thaxted which is the small town where Gustav Holst spent much of his life, and while newly composed, the tune definitely has a folk-like quality to it. Holst himself adapted this tune to be sung to the patriotic text, I Vow to Thee, My Country, which is quite familiar in the United Kingdom. And then Holst's friend, Rafe von Williams, adapted it to be included in a hymnal Songs of Praise in 1926. The hymn text was written by Michael Perry, who was a member of the clergy in the Church of England in the 20th century. Michael Perry was also part of the Jubilate group, which sought to expand the body of hymns for the modern church in the United Kingdom. And with its familiarity as a patriotic song, Michael Perry is quoted as saying that he wrote this hymn in response to a call for alternative words that would be more appropriate for Christian worship, and he definitely succeeded in offering to the church a song of praise. I have a personal fondness for this tune. I encountered it in its orchestral context and liked it so much that my wife Karen and I decided to include an instrumental version as part of our wedding ceremony. I later discovered the beautiful hymn text of praise and was thrilled to be able to include it in a worship context. This episode of the podcast will conclude with the singing of O God Beyond All Praising by the Congregation of Vestavia Hills Baptist Church with Dr. Beth McGinnis on the organ. If you have a hymn to suggest for a future episode of the podcast, feel free to email me at marty at vhbc.com. Weekly conversations that I've been privileged to have as we have done these podcast episodes have truly been a blessing to me, and um, uh, into these episodes I just am grateful for every conversation and that um, the guests have been so willing to share about themselves, and today I'm really glad to welcome Nicole Hutchison. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you for having me. Uh, Well, I just appreciate you so much doing this, taking time out of your busy schedule and joining me to talk. Glad to do it. Well, first of all, tell us uh, a little bit about what you're involved with um, at VHBC, music and otherwise. Um, I've been in the choir for 
gosh, maybe about seven or eight years now um, and have been in various committees. Um, of course, my husband's on the deacons at the moment, and he's been in various committees. Um, I've taught children's choir for the last five or six years, um, I guess. And right now, if we were teaching children's choir, um, we would have the four and five-year-olds, which is yeah. always entertaining because you <laughs> you never know what they're going to say, and they will always tell the truth when you don't want to hear it. So <laughs> it's it's but, a blast. <laughs> and I can tell you as the parent of one of those four or five-year-olds <laughs> who has been in your choir that, um, that it's what you've said is definitely true. You never know what they're going to say, whether... And, and whether you want to hear it or not, they're going to say it. Yeah, it's awesome. You know exactly where you stand, and I love it. That's great. Well, and I know our son, um, when he was in your choir, um, you know, pre-COVID, um, there were times where <clears throat> it may have come across as him uh, not being engaged and not picking things up. And then afterward, you know, at home or later on the week, it was just like he'd, he'd picked so much up from, from y'all's time, even though he, you know, looked like he wasn't. Uh, engaging at the moment so but anyway thank you for that's fantastic you never sort of know they're always like a little sponge they're always watching they're always listening you just never know what's going in and when it will come back out but (laughs) yes yes well I have to say you and um, Paul Bird and uh, Jennifer Carter are the the uh, dream team for pre-k Oh, you're sweet. They're fantastic. I I enjoy working with them as well. I just kind of watch and follow their leads. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, tell us a little bit about your music background, you know, uh, growing up years and then um, into college and adulthood. What has that journey been like for you? Um, That's an interesting question. Um, I think that I've always been around music, that music has always been a part of my family, um, though my parents aren't musicians, um, they've always enjoyed music. And of course, we've always sung in the church choir. And now I grew up in the town of Natural Bridge, Alabama, which literally has a population of like 42. Um, And so the church that I grew up in was probably about that same size. Uh, The youth group for a long time was just myself and another person. So it was very, very small. Um, But you have to help me with with my Alabama (laughs) geography. Where is that? (laughs) Um, It is in northwest Alabama in Winston County. Okay. Uh, in the middle of nowhere. And I, <laughs> my house is literally surrounded by, you know, about 80 acres of just nothing but forest and trees and very few people, wow. um, which says it probably reveals a lot about why my personality is like it is, <laughs> why I'm an introvert. But, um, but anyway, my parents just always enjoyed music and I can remember, uh, you know, my dad and I would listen to everything from Tchaikovsky to uh, Pink Floyd. So it was a broad spectrum of mm. things. And then when I, uh, I think I joined the band in my elementary school at about fifth grade um, and continued to do that. And my church, did you play? the flute. Okay. And then I was drum major my senior year, which was a lot of fun. I enjoyed oh, wow. that. Um, and then my church got a new minister, and his wife um, was very involved in music, and so she kind of started a youth choir, and I was probably 15, 16, 17, something like that. Um, and so I had always 
sung and enjoyed singing, um, my mother would say that I would match pitch with the vacuum cleaner when she was vacuuming, which again <laughs> says a lot about <laughs> it's particularly sad. But, um, and she said, so the Sandy, the minister of music, she really started encouraging me to sing more and to sing by myself. And so that was the first time I'd really ever done any sort of solos and did you know, very low self confidence at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she encouraged me to audition. Um, there's a junior college that's up in Northwest Alabama, not too far from where I'm from. And they have a great scholarship program, or they did at the time. And so she and encouraged me to audition. And so I got a full scholarship for my first two years of college, which was fantastic because I was first generation college student in my family. Um, so that was really, really needed. Um, And then after that, I I majored in music there, um, did a lot of musical theater, really, really enjoyed that. Uh, We actually got the opportunity to go to New York and sing in Carnegie Hall. And while we were there, we saw a production of The Music Man with Rebecca Luker. And I found out that she went to Montevallo and she was from Alabama. And I said, okay, that'll be where I go next. That sounds fun. And so I transferred eventually to Montevallo, um, not still not having a clue what I was doing, but all I enjoyed was music. So I, that was what my major was. And I was a vocal performance major. Um, and then I, I passed my jury, so I was allowed to continue to be a, a vocal performance major. And then my voice teacher mentioned that one of the songs I was rehearsing, I could do in my junior recital. And I said, what? And she said, yeah, you have to do a junior and a senior recital as a vocal major. And I think it was probably three days later for that I went and changed my major. So there's no way I am doing recital. Wow. You have lost your mind. <laughs> <laughs> so then I wound up, I think I graduated with a uh, Bachelor of Fine Arts in Music, something, something like that, something where I didn't have to take a piano proficiency and I didn't have to sing a recital. <laughs> Those were the only two goals I had. <laughs> But so you made that it through. You made it through. I did, I did, <laughs> um, and I, you know, was the I had all also been working um, at the same time. So I would go to school during the day, and I would work at night. And so by the time I did graduate, I was exhausted and burnout and tired. And I said, you know, I really want to go back and get my master's and teach theory. I really enjoyed music theory, mm. um, and so I said, I'll take a break. And then I'll go back and get my master's. And that break has lasted about 18 years. I think it's safe to say that's not going to happen. <laughs> and you know, there ends my musical journey. <laughs> I enjoyed music theory uh, as well. There, You know, that's uh, a special set of uh, musicians <laughs> who enjoys the theory side Nerds, of yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, how did you how did you transition from that into what you're doing now for your career? You know, so so many things in my life that uh, you know, either God had it happen or I just either way you look at it, either God did it or I just fell into things, which is what it looks like from the outside. Um, I was tired of working my retail job and that it, the hours were great because I could go to school in the day and I could work, you know, later at night. 
and so when I graduated, I said, I just want an eight to five job. I don't want to work nights anymore. I don't want to work weekends. I just want an eight to five. And so the bank that my little retail store was actually banking at was hiring and I got an application and became a teller and then enjoyed it. Six months after that, I moved up to a personal banker um, and then, like I said, just really enjoyed that side of things, really enjoyed the loan side of things. So then I went from there and became a loan assistant, a branch manager. And so every facet of banking, I think that there is, I have been in it, but um, I'm currently a lending assistant and I've been doing that for probably about the last 10 or 15 years, I guess. Wow. It doesn't seem that long, but yeah. Um, But I really enjoy it. Again, it's still the nerd side. It's still the, you know, analyzing the different options and finding what equation fits and so it's uh it's there's some similarities there between music theory and finance <laughs> right <laughs> loose ones yeah. maybe yeah sure sure <laughs> um and how did you and your husband matt meet <laughs> we met on a blind date set up by a crazy friend who not we joke that we think it worked out so well because we had such low expectations going in we (laughs) we really just went out with one another to shut her up because we knew she would never stop she was one of those that when she gets something in her head she will just badger you until you do so we we agreed to actually meet and go out and she she is very Southern. She's from Baymanette, Alabama. And I can remember sitting in the Mexican restaurant in Alabaster and her going, you need to meet my friend Matt from work. And it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> and then here we are 13 years later. <laughs> wow. And so it obviously took. It did. <laughs> Again, we had such low expectations. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that he could string a full sentence together was really what sold me right off the bat that this was not going to be as bad as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and you know, probably the same for me. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you you can you can uh, speak in complete sentences too. So I guess you you both had a you're off to a good start. <laughs> oh, that's that's too funny. And what does Matt do? He is actually um, the COO of Hillcrest Behavioral Health, which is a psychiatric facility here in Birmingham. Um, So he has much better stories than I do when we come home each day. But uh, but he was started out as a therapist there for several years. And then shortly after we married, um, he moved up into the admin side of things. And he he really enjoys it. That is definitely a calling. and he does a very, very good job with it. Well, I'm sure uh, in, in very different ways, but I'm sure uh, the pandemic has affected your work uh, over the last however many months it's been now. Somewhat. We joke because um, really nothing has changed much for us. Uh, there was about maybe a two-month period where um, the bank that I work at decided to go to maybe a week-on, week-off rotation the thought being that if one group, you know, came down with COVID, that the other group could step in and, and take over. And the only problem with that is we are so limited to what we can do working from home. There really was no working. It was just checking emails and keeping up with things. So 
even though we did that for about a couple of months, I think there was probably only one week where I actually got to stay home the whole time. Most of the time it was going back in and and trying to get some closings done. And we have stayed so busy. And then, of course, Matt being in healthcare, his Mm -hmm. schedule changed not at all um, other than when COVID did hit their place, he worked more and he would have to go in in the middle of the night and work some 11 to 7 Mm. shifts to cover. So we joke that it's Groundhog Day here, that nothing ever changes. (laughs) We're still the same routine that we've always had. Um, I have, there's a question that I've been asking at the end of each podcast episode, but before we get to that, I, I think some of our listeners would appreciate if you're comfortable doing so, if, if you might share a little bit about the health journey that you went through, um, a few years sure. ago. Yeah. I don't mind at all. Um, I found out I was diagnosed with breast cancer, um, right before my 37th birthday. So I was 36 which is jarring enough on its own, but uh, Matt had actually had an accident when he was hunting. His tree stand collapsed um, a couple of months before, and so he was on one leg. One, The other one was in a cast, no weight bearing, for four months. Um, that happened in November. I don't think he got to put weight on it until March. And then I was diagnosed in January, so we were a hot mess at this place. <laughs> We, um, we kid that we turned this house into an assisted living facility, (laughs) (laughs) and it truly was, but, um, but that was such an interesting journey. Now, and I will say with the, um, if you had told me, you know, that it was stage four or, you know, something really severe, I don't know how I would have handled that. So I was very blessed that. You know, the second week in, my oncologist said, you're going to be okay. You know, we we think we caught this early. Yes, you're going to have to go through, you know, chemotherapy and radiation, but you're going to be okay. Um, So I can't imagine how difficult it must be not to hear those words. So I was very, very blessed. But it was such an interesting journey to see the love that people pour out for you. Um, our church especially was fantastic to us. I mean, they brought meals. They had just brought meals for Matt two months earlier, and now they're bringing meals again for me. Uh, but just they just surrounded us in prayer and love, and we received cards and little gifts, and it was it was such a blessing. You don't want to ever say that, you know, cancer or sickness is a blessing, I guess, but it really is in that God uses it to show you how much he loves you and how he has surrounded you with these people to support you. He has not put you on an island by yourself. Um, It's an interesting perspective. Um, It was also interesting when I first received the diagnosis they told me that it was a very, very aggressive cancer, which is why it mostly targets young women and the survival rate is not very good because, you know, at 35, you're not going to get a mammogram every year, you know. Um, so it was interesting when I first received that news and they didn't know how bad it was, but they knew it was aggressive. I often thought about Christ and him saying, if it be your will, Lord, let this cup pass from me. Because I was in that place of, I don't know what journey you have put me on. I don't know if I'm heading, 
on a slow journey to meet you or if this is just part of my journey to get to the other side on this earth. But you know I don't want it. Um, So it was just an interesting, I, I don't know that I would have ever been put in another situation that I could feel somewhat of what Christ felt in that moment. And even though it was frightening to me, it was sort of comforting that I wasn't the first person by any means to go through that. And to know Christ's heart when he knew he wasn't getting out of it. He may have said, let this cup pass for me, but he knew what he was going to have to do for all of us. So it was, like I said, it was just an interesting perspective that I would not have had otherwise. Um, so it was, it was an interesting journey. I'm glad it's over, but it was an interesting journey. <laughs> I have no doubt that folks hearing your story now will um, appreciate the way you you walk that journey personally and have come to the other side and can and share about that. So thank you for um, for offering your a little bit of that journey. I, I appreciate you. Uh, no, thank you for asking. Sharing that. Well, I have uh, concluded each of these podcast conversations with a question based on a verse from John 10, where Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So I, I'm curious, Nicole, what is bringing you life these days? Um, I am, I am such a nerd as uh, we've realized over this conversation. Um, <laughs> so why deviate from that now? Um, I am a bookworm. Um, I would like to tell you that I read nonfiction and things to better my life, but I don't. I like bubbles and puppies and kittens and happy things. So I, <laughs> I read um, just whatever happy ending little novel that I can get my hands on. So that is my escape. I realize that it's not realistic, but it's fun. Yeah. (laughs) We all need more happy things right now. Right. There's no shame in that whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) Everyday life is real. I don't need to read about real things. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I asked uh, somebody else uh, in one of these conversations mentioned that they were um, into reading and I asked them and also ask you, are you the kind of reader who can have a stack of four, five, six books going at once that you kind of uh, work through, or are you a one at a time kind of reader? Uh, ooh. I used to would say I'm a one of a, one at a time, um, but I have found audiobooks, and my commute to work is not as bad right now with COVID. But back when it was an hour drive to work and an hour drive home, um, I, it's not unheard of for me to have an audio book and an actual book going at the same time. And sometimes that does get confusing and it doesn't take a lot to confuse me, but, um, I still enjoy it. (laughs) Well, Nicole, I am just so grateful for you, um, taking time and, um, talking with me today and I'm being willing to, uh, share this conversation with folks on the podcast, and I know they'll uh, appreciate what you had to say and um, will enjoy getting to know you a little bit better. Thank you. Well, thank you. I've enjoyed it. Future episodes are easy to find if you subscribe to this podcast. Today's episode concludes with the singing of O God Beyond All Praising 